Psalm 86. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am a godly man. O you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for to you I cry all day long. Make glad the soul of your servant, for to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in loving kindness to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and give heed to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble, I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. There is no one like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in the, your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. I will give thanks to you, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and will glorify your name forever. For your loving kindness towards me is great, and you have delivered my soul from the depth of Sheol. O God, arrogant men have risen up against me, and a band of violent men have sought my life, and they have not set you before them. But you, O Lord, are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth. Turn to me and be gracious to me. O grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your handmaid. Show me a sign for good that those who hate me may see it and be ashamed because you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me.
And Lord, as we, uh, as we live our lives, we realize that there's all kinds of things that are uh, difficult. There's all kinds of things that uh, you know, we bring before you, but we are thankful that you're in control. You know, with all the things going on in the world, all the things going on outside the church, in the church, all the things going on outside of us and inside of us, and we thank you that you are sovereign. And as I was thinking this morning, driving to church in the dark, that uh, you were with me. And here's the amazing thing. You're with everyone. Every one of your children you are so intimately involved with. Worldwide, all the time. It's why you are God. And we thank you. And we thank you. And I know that as we sit here this morning, there's cares and concerns, there's difficulties, and you know, there's thanksgivings. Oh, Lord, we're thankful for the water. We, we thank you that it comes in spurts so we don't have overly a lot of floods, but we do thank you for the refreshing of this world through rain. And uh, we thank you for the refreshing of, this, uh, of our spirit through your Holy Spirit, through, through songs that you have enabled songwriters to write, and through your word. And we thank you for all of that. And, and as we come to the communion service, we're going to see that we, are, we remember you in a very special way. But you know, as, as we have gathered together this morning, I know that we bring cares and concerns and things. So just spend a few quiet moments as we have uh, listened to Psalm 86 sung about God's faithfulness, sung about how the Lord is our rock, and then sung about, you know, I'm going to turn it over to Him. And uh, so that I can, I'm going to exchange my shame and my pain for the joy of the Lord. So just spend a few moments interacting with Him around those truths. Lord, we thank You for profound truth because it uh, challenges us to think and even when we say Lord help because I, I don't get it we stick with it, it's, it's a good exercise it, it really is and we thank you for that we thank you for throughout the centuries men and women who have helped us understand deep truths because they are deep on the other hand we thank you for simple truths I remember reading the story of a young lady or a lady who was in dire circumstances. I think she was involved with the occult, prostitution, drugs, the whole thing. And she said that in her darkest moments, what came to her mind was Jesus loves me, this I know. She said somewhere along the line, I think she must have gone to Sunday school and they sang that song and it just stuck with her. And Lord, that, that simple truth, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I mean, think about how many times, how many dark nights and days that gets us through. Even if we're not consciously aware of it, it's what gets us through. And so we thank you for truth like that. And we pray that it's true of us because we've embraced you through the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So Lord, as we, as we come you know, to hear your word and in the communion service, you use this truth just to, to put a smile on our face if nothing else 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Shall we stand? Actually, I want to focus on something that's not new, 
Well, the Word of God obviously is not new. And uh, I want to I focus on something that Thomas Chisholm, Chisholm wrote in 1923. And it really is profound. This is super profound. He says, pardon for sin in a peace that endureth. Thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Bright hope for today, and rather strength for today, and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings are mine with 10,000 beside. It's the third verse of Great is Thy Faithfulness. And as you read that, you wonder, was Thomas having a bad day? I mean, I mean, when he writes that, you know, pardon for sin that gives me the peace that endureth and in thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide because it's dark and I, I need a rock. I need, I need a guide through this. It's dark, it's gloomy, it's, it's depressing. I can't see my hand in front of my face. So I need strength for today. And then not just for today, but bright hope for tomorrow. His blessings are mine with 10,000 besides. And actually, in that hymn, in that third verse, there, there is there's profound truth. Number one, as we are here this morning, uh, I hope that we all go home with a renewed uh, interest and a renewed appreciation for strength for today. We'll see that God gives us. And I hope we go home with, with a renewed hope and appreciation for the bright hope for tomorrow that God gives us. And I hope that we go home with a renewed strength and appreciation for our pardon for sin and therefore the peace that endureth. And because of our pardon for sin, we have strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. If we don't have pardon for sin, guess what? We are on our own. In other words, you know, we, we all live life in essence on our own because God doesn't necessarily force us to get up in the morning. He doesn't take clothes off the, the hanger and throw them at us and says, you're wearing this today. I mean, we make a lot of decisions. We have to do that. But if that's all you've got, when push comes to shove, and, and when there's, there's no light at the end of the tunnel, and, and when you're trying to row against the current and you're just exhausted, well, you're on your own, and if that's all you've got, you've got nothing else. However, if your sins have been pardoned because of the work of Jesus Christ, and you have heard his voice as you've heard the gospel somewhere in your life, and God convicted you, and God drew you, and it's just like, you know, you just couldn't let go, and you say, okay, Lord, I surrender. I need you. Like the, like the sinner, the tax gatherer in Luke 18, Lord, be merciful to me, the sinner. Save my soul. If you are honest with God, he will. And when he does, he pardons your soul. And, and when he pardons your soul, he removes the guilt. He removes the shame. Why? Because he had put it all on Jesus Christ. And when that happens, he gives you the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit within us that is our strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. And that's the way to live. I mean, you can get through anything. 
You can get through absolutely anything, and men and women from the very beginning have with these truths. Maybe not exactly in this way, because before 1923, uh, you know, Thomas Chisholm, Chisholm had not uh, written the hymn, but certainly it, it, it brings it out. So to see that, as we come to the communion service, and to see how it fleshes out and how it actually lives, I want to use the Apostle Paul as an example. Paul is an example for so many things. And you know, right? Is it, so while I'm saying that, find the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. As we think about so much of our life, as we'll see today, Paul is such a great example that God used. And we say, well, that's awesome. That's awesome. And then we realize, oh my goodness, Paul had a difficult life. He's a great example because of the trials and tribulations, because of the difficulty, because of the bad days he went through. And as God used him to write these letters for us, he's communicating to us how Paul got through and how we get through. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow, pardon for sin, and a peace that endures. Let's begin in first, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, you know, the letters to the Corinthians, the Corinthians was a goofed up church. There was sexual immorality, they were arguing with one another, etc., etc., etc. You can read First and Second Corinthians and get that story. But for this morning, we just want to focus on verse 8. <clears throat> well, not focus on it, but start there. Paul says to the Corinthians as he writes to them, We do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction. Amen? I mean, do we not undergo affliction? Well, Paul underwent an affliction. He says, Our affliction, which came to us in Asia. <clears throat> now, you, you talk about affliction, listen to his affliction and how severe this was. This affliction, you may say, Well, how bad was it, Paul? How bad was it, Pastor? Well, his this affliction was that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. We thought it was over. I mean, I, I think of Jonah under that tree when Nineveh repented. God, I don't like this, so just take my life. I mean, I'm done. Well, this is a different circumstance, but Paul was saying we were so despairing, we didn't know if we were going to make it. Indeed, verse 9, we had the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. That's interesting, isn't it? God took them through this, Paul and his associates, so that they would learn to not trust on men but in God, not even not themselves. And here again it is, right? If I'm on my own, if I have to work through this all on my own, it's hopeless. And that's a reason to despair. But if you got Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you are trusting in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from a so great a peril of death and will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. Paul was in dire circumstances. He knew strength for today in bright hope for the morrow because his sins had been pardoned through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
go to chapter 4. He again explains just how bad it was. In chapter 4, <clears throat> talks about this ministry, verse 1, that he'd received, they'd received mercy. And then here's a key phrase. See that at the end of verse 1? We do not lose heart. Why would you even put that in there? Because we're in dire circumstances where naturally you would lose heart. It says, verse 7, we have this treasure. In other words, verse 6, God has shined, uh, God has said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who is shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. God has awakened us to see himself in Jesus Christ. And it's basically salvation. It has given us salvation, given us the Holy Spirit. And then he says, but we have this treasure, the treasure of knowing God through the Lord Jesus Christ, having the Holy Spirit. We have all of that in earthen vessels. Earthen vessels, your body. And by the way, he said in Romans 8, this is a body that's fallen apart. Because of Adam's sin, yeah, amen, right? Because of Adam's sin in Genesis. When God told Adam, Genesis 2, 17, you've got all these trees to eat from, but stay away from the tree in the middle of the garden. When you eat from it, the day you eat from it, you shall surely die. And what happened is when they ate of that fruit, and it wasn't the fruit, it was the test, they began to die. And ever since then, we are all born to die. You start dying the moment you are conceived, literally. And, um, and so he says, we, we've, this earth, it's just part of that. He said in Romans 8, you know, the, the, the world has been cursed by God because of sin to futility and corruption. So we, we've got this great treasure of knowing God in the face of Christ, yet in this corrupted, as it were, body under, under sin, but we, and it's there. And why is it there? Why is it this way, Paul, verse 7? We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of power will be of God and not from ourselves. Wow. God says, you know, it's okay. In fact, it's my design and plan that I'm going to work through your difficulties, through the curse, through your earthen vessel, as weak as it may be. Because as I do that, and as anything happens to the, to the good, as you have strength for today to just get through, and as you have bright hope for tomorrow, guess where that comes from? He's, and this is the key. He says, that comes from me. That's not you, that's me. And, and so Paul is, is, God is teaching him that lesson that you've got this earth and this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing power will be of God and not from ourselves. Well, what did he go through? Verse 8, we are afflicted in every way. So, I mean, I, we're all afflicted, and we can count the ways usually. Well, I got this, I got that, I got that. Just take the medications you take, and it somewhat tells you what you got, right? I'm taking this for that, this for that, this for that, and the other thing. So, yes, he was afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed. I don't get this. Especially the issues in the church. Why are you guys doing this? Why are you believing these false teachers? Why, why are you, you know, I'm perplexed. 
perplexed about life. There's a lot of things in this world. There's a lot of things in your life to be perplexed about. But Paul says, but not despairing. I'm not to the point of giving up. I'm not to the point where I can't get out of bed because, yeah, this is difficult, but I'm not despairing. I'm persecuted, yes, but not forsaken. And I'm struck down, but not destroyed. Or as somebody said, I'm knocked down, but not knocked out, because I keep getting back up. That's the power of God. Paul, if you just turn a few pages to your right, to 2 Corinthians 11, he tells you about some of the things he went through. He says in verse 23, 2 Corinthians 11, as he's defending himself against false teachers in the Corinthian church that were on his case and saying, you're really nothing, Paul. And so he says, verse 23, are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane because I'm saying that I am. I more so. If, listen, he's saying, you want, you want to stack my life up against your false teachers or somebody else? Okay. Far more labors middle of verse 23, far more imprisonments, beaten times without number. I can't even count the times I've been beat just for preaching Jesus in the gospel. Times without number, often in danger. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes, 39 because they considered if you got to 40, you know, it was, it not only broke the law, but you couldn't do it, so they didn't want to kill you. In other words, they want to just torture you so you get up to 39. Three times I've been beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've spent in the deep. And this is where I always say, this is the Indiana Jones now. You've got nothing on me, Indiana, because I have been in frequent dangers, frequent journeys, and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, danger in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. In other words, there's no place is safe for me. I really don't have a happy place I can flee to. I don't have a sanctuary. They're after me everywhere. Verse 27, I've been in labor, hardship, through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, apart from such external things. <laughs> you think, apart from that? Yes, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. He says, you know, I, my body's really beat up. Paul had a lot of mileage on his body. But he says, that's really nothing compared to what's happening on the inside. You know what breaks my heart? Verse 29, who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? It's the church. It's fellow believers. When they're struggling or when they're in sin, that's what breaks my heart. Now, on top, you, talk, so you, you see his bad day? He's bad. On top of that, you get to chapter 12. And in verse 7 it says, Paul says, Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations that God gave me, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me, by God, a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. 
Nobody knows exactly what that was, whether it was a, a physical ailment, whether it was the Judaizers, whether it was people on his cake, whatever it was, there was some difficulty from Satan meant to destroy him that was bugging him, getting in the way of the ministry, stealing his joy, giving him a bad day. And so he says concerning this, verse 8, I implore the Lord three times that it might leave me. And he has said to me, no. It's not in there, but that's what he said. No. Why? My grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Oh, yeah, I see. I've got all this in my earthen vessel. But the power may be not of ourselves, but of God. Power is perfected in weakness. And so what does Paul say? Forget it, Lord. And if this is the, I actually did that on the farm. I told God, if this is the way you're going to play, I'm done. Well, it didn't last that long, thankfully. But he, he didn't say that. He said, most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in you. Strength for the day, the bright hope for tomorrow. That's the power of Christ in me. Verse 10, therefore I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with, with, uh, with uh, distresses and persecutions for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So now back to chapter 4. That's what he's saying. I've got all of this stuff, stuff going on. If you, man, good, you know, Jesus did not have an easy life either. And on top of having no place to lay his head and all the persecution, his religious leaders, people needing believing, all that they wanted from him was stuff. It's like if you won the lottery, you got all these friends. They don't care about you. They just want your stuff. And he had the disciples on top of that. Oh, you little faith, bunch of knuckleheads, as my dad used to call them. True. He had all of that. And yet, yet he says, you know what? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. Got all this stuff going on. But therefore, we do not lose heart. For though our outer man is decaying, my goodness, amen. Yet, our inner man is being renewed day by day. And the reason is, you can just skip down the page to chapter 5, verse 5. He who has prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave to us the Spirit as a pledge. Your, the indwelling Spirit in your life that's, that's changing you, that's giving you strength every day to just keep going, uh, that's an evidence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in you that... that it gives you the desire to learn God's word and to know him better. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit within you that convicts you when you sin and says, God, I don't want to do this. Help me out of that. That's the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit begins to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, uh, meekness, and self-control, that's the Holy Spirit. You realize, I I'm not doing this. You know, the, I hope you've had this experience, and if you're a believer, you've had somewhere. It's one of the greatest things... For me to realize after something, that was God. I know me well enough to know I could have never done that. That's God in me. That's the strength for today. 
But he goes on, it's more than that. What gets Paul through the day, what gets me through the day, not only strength for the day, through the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, I'm thinking of first first Peter four, ten and eleven. everybody has a spiritual gift, and he says, If you if you speak, speak as it were the utterances of God. If you serve, do so by the strength which God supplies, so that Christ will receive the glory through everything. It's a loose translation, but but that's the point. God will enable you to do whatever he wants you to do. And if, he, he's, if he's taking you through this valley, Psalm 23, I don't need to fear any evil because you are with me. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And when you are perplexed, we can say with Paul, I don't get it, Lord, but I'm not despairing because I'm depending on you. You are my rock. Strength for today. What's the bright hope for tomorrow? Verse 17 of 2 Corinthians 4. What a, what a thing to say. Momentary light affliction. Like we, what we just read is that momentary light affliction. It was Paul's entire life. I wouldn't call that light. I've never experienced any of that. I haven't been shipwrecked. I haven't spent a night and a day in the deep. I haven't been beaten time without numbers. I've never received 39 lashes, etc., etc., etc. And he says, you know, lashes, and, and it, do we not tend to moan and groan? I, I am the biggest baby when it comes to illness. That's why Charlene is my wife, and God gave her to me. She's my medical everything. You know, I take her to the doctor's appointment. because I don't know, what did he say? What did she say? And, and then they ask, well, how are you doing? And I'll give them one answer, and Charlene says, no, 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 no. This is the way he really is. So, you know, we complain about all those afflictions, but here's, here's Paul's attitude. Momentary light affliction is producing for us, believers, you included, me included, an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comprehension. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This is our hope for tomorrow. Keep going to chapter 5. We know that if the earthly tent, that's our body, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building, we have a building from God, we have a building from God, a house made with hand, made with hands, not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's our glorified body. For indeed in this house we groan, longing to be clothed our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as we have put it on, we will not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan. Man, yeah. But being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed, so that what is mortal will be swallowed up by life. In other words, we don't want this difficulty, our bad day, to last forever. It won't. Now, I love verse 5. He who prepared us for this very purpose is God. Everything in your life, God prepares for you. And in essence, to prepare you, to prune you, to discipline you, pruning first, you know, John, we've talked about that, John 15. Uh, disciplining you, Romans, rather, not Romans or Ephesians, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10. He's doing all of that to share his holiness. He says, I'm preparing you, I, I'm, I'm giving you this so that you learn to depend upon me, you see your power within me, and I've given you the Holy Spirit as a pledge to help you through it. He is your strength, he is your hope. 
It goes on to say, therefore, being of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. True? I mean, I haven't seen it. But you know, if you walk by faith, following directions, you will experience God. <laughs> That's a blessed thing. We are of good, so we are, verse 8, we are of good courage, I say, rather to be, prefer rather to be absent from the body, but to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Paul is saying, you know what my hope is? My bright hope for tomorrow is a new glorified body. That's not really even it. But to be in heaven with you, Lord. That's what you've prepared me for. You know, it's, again, Paul, in, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, well, this, this, and if, you're, if you're feeling like nobody loves me but my mother, she may be jiving too. That's an old blues song. Uh, listen to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, talking about the coming day of the Lord and the wrath that's going to come. He says in verse 9, verse 9, but you know, God has not destined us as believers for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. And you can put your name in here. So I'll put my name in. Who died for Bill Sidorovich. So that whether Bill Sidorovich is alive or dead, that's what awake or sleep means, Bill Sidorovich will live together with him. The whole purpose is God wants us with him. Ephesians 1, 3 and 4, before the foundation of the world, he predestined us to be, conf no, no, before the foundation of the world, he, he did something. <laughs> I, I'm getting that confused with Romans 8. Before the foundation of the world, yeah, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. That's the point. He wants us with him, holy and blameless. And so that's our hope. That's where we're going. We all know it's appointment of the man who wants to die, and after this, the judgment. Romans 9.20, rather Hebrews 9.27, we know that. But we don't think about that, right? I don't, until something happens, and I wonder, is this it? Uh, but uh, we know that's coming. But that's not it. That's not the end. It's the beginning. You know, that's what I love. I'm reading the Tales of Narnia. I'm almost done. Right. Book seven. And, uh, you know, you think about, yeah, I'm going to this other world. And, and he has just a way. If you've never read that, it's awesome. He just had a way of, of fantasizing it in a sense, putting in that to give, to, to portray the spiritual truth that, you know, we're going somewhere else, and it's better. That's Paul's hope. Well, then, back to 2 Corinthians, so we come to the communion service. You notice what he says? Well, if my strength, first of all, is dependent upon the Holy Spirit, then what do I need to do? Ephesians 4.30, grieve not the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Galatians 4, 5, 16 and 17. Walk in the Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, I believe, verse 19. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? 
you follow directions. God says something, no matter how bizarre or out there it may seem, you say, Lord, I'm perplexed about this, but I'm going to trust you. And when you just follow directions, you're walking in the Spirit. And that strength just keeps on coming. Keeps on, and then you say, wow, Lord, how did I get through that? You helped me. How did I have any kind of wisdom in that situation? It was from you. For me, it's whenever I, I read this book and say, Lord, what are you saying and what do you want me to tell your people? And when he begins to open that up, I know me well enough to know that that's not me. I'm not that smart. And you, some of you have heard me long enough to know, yeah, amen, brother, tell us. I know that. But God reveals this to us, and it's awesome. So we want to live our life. Notice what it says there in verse 9, back to 2 Corinthians 5. Our ambition, whether we are at home or absent, whether we're in heaven or here, is to be pleasing to him. Move on. Verse 14. Paul says, The love of Christ controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. He who died for all, so that they who live, and he died for all, that they who live might no longer give live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Say, who is that? Who's the world in this sense? It's, it's his children, the believers. John 10, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Later in that chapter, he told the scribes and Pharisees, you know why you don't believe in me? You're not my sheep. He goes on to say, therefore, verse 16, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. In other words, just flesh. We don't just look at people as if this is it. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, we knew him in his body. Yet now we know him in this way no longer because he's in heaven. Therefore, you know what? If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. I'm not looking at him as I did before because now he is a new creature in Christ. New creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Keep reading. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Oh, now we're talking about reconciliation. Bringing together two parties that were previously opposed. You say, was I opposed to God? Yes. You were born in an opposing state. Because all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. David, Psalm 51, In sin my mother conceived me. Not that she was sin, uh, conceived by a sinful act, but uh, sin is passed on to men from Adam. We're born with it. Isaiah 59, 2, And it's our sins that separate us from God. So that as we live our life with all the bad days, we have to do it on our own. There is no hope, as, as the song said, if this is all there is, it's just eat, drink, and be merry, have a party, because tomorrow we die. A lot of people live that way, but, that, but they're going to be really surprised to find out there's another world out there, and God's the judge. 
But to be reconciled is to bring two warring parties together. And he says, we, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, namely that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he's committed to us the world of reconciliation. Say, how did that happen? Keep reading. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as, through, as though God were, make, were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. How? He, God, made him Christ, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Go home and read Romans 3. And Paul talks about that. Jesus died for our sins. He was the substitute for our sins. As he says, you know, he, he bore our sins on the cross. Uh, he who knew no sin became, you know, on our, he who knew no sin, God made him to be sin on our behalf. He bore all of our sins on the cross. He paid for it. God is a just judge. He can't say, oh, I'm sorry, we'll let that one slide. No, nothing gets slidden by. He says, you have sinned, and some of us are far greater sinners than others, but remember, it only takes one sin of omission or commission. <coughs> Jesus paid for that on the cross. What Paul is saying is when I believe that by faith, and for Paul, remember, it was that Damascus road. Paul was on the wrong road, on the right road for that, but his life was on the wrong road. And he remember, he was very, very religious. Ah, oh, he stood on the street corners, he done, it was far worse than that, because he went after the opposition to kill them. Sounds like some religions in our world. And he did that. He did that, because he thought Jesus was a heretic. He thought Jesus was a blasphemer. He thought Jesus was a liar. Until on that road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him. And remember, he's, he's knocked off the donkey, he's blind, and he hears this voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Remember, Saul said, well, who are you? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. I think that's the moment Paul was converted. Because he said, oh my goodness, you are real. And you were the Messiah. You are the Messiah. Because Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Paul was persecuting the church. So all, all this thing, you know, it's just like, pow. And then Jesus didn't say, but it's true. You know what, Paul? And I've died for your sin. And as Paul embraced the Savior and then his whole, we're reading about his life. He says, I've got strength for today, and I've got a bright hope for tomorrow. Because my sins have been pardoned by the Lord Jesus in his death on the cross. And I experience his dear presence to cheer and to guide. I go to first rather the first to Second Timothy chapter two. And I really need encouragement. Because this is Paul at the end of his life. Sad. Verse 16 of chapter 4. 
2 Timothy 4.16, at my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. May it not be counted against them. I mean, all my staff, my friends, when I was arrested and thrown in jail, they all left. When I was in court, nobody stood with me. Nobody would give me a character reference. Nobody. Was he perplexed? I bet. Was he despairing? No. Was he persecuted? Absolutely. Was he struck down? Yes. Was he knocked out? No. And you put yourself in that condition. Well, all that I'm going, gone through, I'm going through, may actually go through. Will I be perplexed? Absolutely. Will you be despairing? No. If you're pardoned from your sin, if you have the Holy Spirit giving you peace uh, with peace within you and strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. As Paul says, verse 17, but everybody left me but the Lord. And really, no offense, I'll take the Lord all of zillions of you because we, it's the Lord that will never leave us. I've learned in my time in Murphy's, people can be fickle. Believers can be fickle. I expect that from unbelievers. It always surprises me with believers. Anyway, Paul, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. <laughs> Strength for the day. So that through me the proclamation may be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles may, might hear and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. And the Lord will rescue me. Bright hope for tomorrow. From every evil deed and will bring me safely to his heavenly home. Bright hope to, for tomorrow. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Why? Because Jesus died on a cross for my sin, was buried, rose again the third day. I've embraced that. I've committed my life to that. God had to really knock me down, but I, he turned me around. And so I have peace, strength, and hope. All because I've been pardoned for my sin. Because Jesus died for me. So that we would not forget that, because God knows we are forgetful. You know, I, I find the older I get, you're in a little pattern, right? And so I'm getting ready in the morning, and you got your little thing. And then I look at, have I put deodorant on? <laughs> I know, you stupid. And, and did I take that pill? So I, I you know, Charlene's dad I, I used to turn his bottles upside down to know that he did. I just turn them sideways. Because there are times I've just taken it, I've done something, I go, did I take that? I mean, it's crazy. So God knows we forget. So on the night in which he was betrayed, Paul tells us that Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as, for as often as you drink this, drink, uh, eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup of the Lord in a worthy manner will be guilty of the body, body and blood of the Lord. In other words, this is serious because you're remembering the death of Christ. But a man must examine himself, and so doing, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. 
Examine yourself what? Have I accepted the Lord? Have I been pardoned from my sin? I can't partake of this, which says I have, if I haven't. So that's number one. Number two, Jesus died for sin. What's my life like? Verse 29, he who eats and drinks drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak, sick, and a number sleep. But if we judge ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. The great thing about the communion service is it's not only a time for us to come and remember, it's a time for us to come and examine. Who am I living for? How do I get through my day? Well, what do I depend on for my strength? A bottle, a pill, a drug, a distraction, a sport, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Is that how I get through my day? Or is it you, Lord? Oh, you say, you know, a lot of times it is, but the times where it isn't, oh, God, help me. Thanks for the reminder. And what is your hope? You know, forget about who wins the Super Bowl. Big deal. Do you remember who won last year? I have to think about that. Or three years ago? Yeah, it doesn't make really any difference. But our hope that will last forever. Think about all of that, and then we'll partake this morning. Father, I thank you for uh, giving us such clear instruction. Well, I trust it was clear. I mean, uh, if it wasn't clear, it's my fault. Because the scripture is very clear. We thank you that we can have strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow because... We've been pardoned from our sin because of Jesus' sacrifice, his resurrection, and our commitment and obedience to him. So as we sit here this morning, whether it's a bad day, bad week, bad month, bad year, bad life, I say, Lord, you know, you're at work in me. I've got you. As Paul said, everybody left me, but the Lord stood with me. Realize when we get to heaven, when this is all said and done, you're not going to give an account to any of your friends, any of your employers, any of your mates, etc., etc. You're only going to give an account to the Lord Jesus. When you get to heaven, you're not going to be focusing on anybody else but Him. So the fact that He is with us is everything. May this give us strength for today. <clears throat>
over that reality because that is why we have strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Because of what Jesus did and our faith in him, we have pardon for sin and a peace to add to us. Endure it. So Lord, as we are here <clears throat> this morning, may we go back in our mind's eye to the night in which you were betrayed and you're sitting at that table or lounging at that table with your disciples. And having completed the Passover meal, you instituted a new meal of remembrance. <coughs> Passover is a meal of remembrance and celebration. This is a new one. And what you're saying is, I, I, I want you now to remember and celebrate me. My body on a cross for you. My blood shed for the remission of sin. And as they partook, I don't think they had a clue what was going to happen. But afterwards, the Holy Spirit came and began to understand. We have the advantage of living many, many years past. And we have the completed Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit that has taught us. Oh God, may we appreciate this even more. May we commit to this even more. May, may we live a life to please you even more. May we let your love controls us, control us and live not for ourselves but for you. May we be your ambassadors because you are pleading through us to a dying world be reconciled through Christ. He's the only way to God. And remember that, Lord, as we partake, we say thank you and help me. And I didn't wish Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And when he broke it, he gave it to his disciples and he said, take this and eat of this in remembrance of me. Let's do likewise. And he said, <coughs> this is the cup of the new covenant, the new testament. Shed for the, for, for the remission of sin. This is, this is the pardon all comes to this. Drink this, gentlemen. Do this in remembrance of me. Shall we do likewise?
that's true. And I pray that we love you more, serve you more, speak more for you. And Lord, I pray that because we have been pardoned, that we will enjoy your strength for today and the bright hope for tomorrow. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.